Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. This is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. And a guy that's burped and knows how to work a DVD player. <laughs> Talk to you about movies. This is when you say the title. Oh, this is when I do the introduction. Uh, we're doing HBO Max's The Day of the Sports Stood Still. Or The Day Sports Stood Still. This wasn't clunky and awkward at all. <laughs> that review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. Alright everybody, welcome to the show, our second review of the week. We are getting maintenance done on the time machine, so we decided to check out a second new release. We had to take it to, we had to, take it to Toretto's Hot Rod Heaven. <laughs> yes, we, we are taking a break from the We're time getting machine. a supercharger and some 20-inch rims and some NOS. You can you can drive that car. I'm gonna drive that bicycle that has the NOS tanks on either side of the the frame. <laughs> you are going to die at the speed of light. Yeah. Or I'll go back in time. <laughs> let's let's find out. <laughs> how's your uh, how's your will and life insurance policy situation before you do that? I have I have life insurance. I don't have a will though because who makes a will before they're thirty? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say who makes a will when they don't have anything of value, and I was like, wow, that's dark. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who makes a will when they already don't have the will to live? Oh. A lot of people. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but no, anyway, we uh, uh, we took a break from the time machine because we wanted to check out the new documentary on HBO and HBO Max. The day sports stood still. It was brought to us by director Antoine Fuqua, who is a... Uh, very very famous director he uh he did i think training day i'm just i'm a bad show prepper uh <laughs> he did the equalizer uh he was a oh my gosh why why is this happening right now when i'm trying to uh yep nope yeah training day okay i'll stop there he directed training day <laughs> he yep nope yeah okay yeah he he's worked with denzel washington a lot i'll just put it that way he's done a lot of denzel washington films very very famous very good director um i can't recall if he's ever done a documentary outside of this but uh yes he directed this movie and uh documentaries uh they don't brag about their writer credit but technically this movie had a a writer on it stephen leckart uh he at least wrote the outline of how this movie was going to shape, but obviously documentaries are about real things. So, um, yeah, this movie, we always like to start our reviews with hot takes. Um, I don't remember some hot cakes. I don't remember which of us. I'm hungry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't remember which one of us championed adding this into the calendar. I think it was you. So I'll just let you go with your hot take first. It was me. Um, I, I, I don't know how to word it. I was the one that pushed for us to do it, but I wasn't dying to see this. I was just very interested in it. Um, I give it on our scale of terrible, downright downright terrible movie that doesn't qualify as a movie, so we have to say it's not a brownie, is a cookie. 
something that is pretty good, but we don't really, or pretty bad, but we find something redeeming in it is a uh, single brownie. Half pan's 50-50 so-so. Full pan is pretty good, but not perfect. And perfect, absolutely everything's great as a full pan of brownies with sprinkles. I give it a half pan. Um, my my big issues with it are I don't feel like it's that good of a COVID documentary, which is kind of what drew me to it. I was really wanting more focus on all the sports in the time of like in the time of the shutdowns and the immediate aftermath and trying to figure out how to get things going. Um, and instead it's, and I don't want to hold it against the movie, but it's just what I was wanting out of the movie was not what I got. Um, and then I also don't like how it almost solely focuses on the NBA you're saying the day the sports stood still. I'm expecting all sports. Like, I was actually really interested to learn stuff about, like, the Olympics because of how massively it derailed that. I was very I was very disappointed with how little baseball coverage it was, there was. And I get why there wasn't much football coverage. Football, like, football really didn't get affected until, like, when the season was going to start. And by that point, we'd had six months to figure it out. So... The title and the advertising, I felt, wasn't exactly super honest with the way that the movie came out. It's it's a it's a it's very well made. It's not it's not a poor poorly made documentary, but I just didn't get what I was expecting out of a, a documentary with that title and the way it was advertised. Okay, I I I get what you mean, and I I kind of had that bait and switch feeling a little bit while I was watching it, but um, I guess for my and just to put out there too. Dan is the NBA fan out of the two of us, but that's not really saying much. Um, but I'm, I just, I'm not a basketball person. I really only care about basketball when March Madness rolls around. That's about the only time. Well, calling me a basketball fan is kind of generous, but um, <laughs> I do follow basketball. But that's what I'm getting at, though. Is like you're the one that follows basketball out of the two of us, and you really don't. Yeah. That much. Yeah, I, I mean, I get Bleacher Report updates about the Pacers, but um. Outside of that, yeah. The, uh, but no, I, I did get a little bit of that bait and switch too while I was watching it. But, um, I like this movie a little bit more than you did. Uh, on the rating scale, I'm gonna give this movie a full pan. Um, the the biggest gripes I have against it is that it doesn't quite feel. I have like minor like cinematic gripes with it. It kind of felt like a TV documentary in certain regards that are, yeah. They're 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 nitpicky for sure, but I. They kind of bothered me in the moment while I was watching it, but um, I really about it, it took about like 30 minutes for me to really understand what this movie was going to be. And when I it kind of accepted that and realized what actually was going to happen, because I thought it was going to be like about just the immediate aftermath like you did. But when the movie showed its hand and started being about really the the nba like this movie is an nba movie at the end of the day yeah and it's about how which is and it funny makes... i didn't i did not know i did not know hbo had that good of a relationship with the nba i knew they did with the nfl because of hard knocks well i think it was because of chris paul i think chris paul helped with um he was an executive producer on this um not just the the main subject but um he it's 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 really fascinating how this movie shows exactly what the NBA was going through in that time frame because up to this point 
the NBA was the objectively, I feel fear to call me out if I'm wrong, but it, from my outsider perspective, it seemed like the NBA was really like the 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 leaders and like the tone setters of athletes expressing themselves. So, um, oh, it a hundred percent is. It one hundred percent is the most uh, socially aware. Okay. Uh, league. It, okay. it followed followed by the NFL and then the MLB and then NHL. Okay. It it for sure is they are the most socially woke league. Okay. So it's when it gets to that part of the movie, um, like I'll talk more about it, but like they were the the first team to to call call pause and then everyone else falls suit. And so how it parallels between that in the face of COVID to then spend most of the second half of the movie really kind of becoming um, a movie about when sports could come back to the degree that the NBA was trying to, to again, set the tone for the rest of the sports world. We had all the, the, the protest um, about Brianna and George. And um, I'm so, so sorry. I forgot the other guy's name, but um, when all of those protests started to happen, Something, last name was Blake. Okay. Um, oh, crap. It was last name was Blake. What was his name? Yeah. I. I. Again. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Blake. So the the storm of all that happening. Them then again on brand leading the charge. They were the first league to say, "Hey, just because sports are back, we we there are things that are bigger than sports," and I think that's when the movie's at its most powerful. Honestly, is when that comes into play, and it really, really makes the emphasis that it's trying to make about, hey, this is really actually how big sports is. And it's sad that COVID had to help escalate it to this point where... Jacob Blake. Okay, thank you, Jacob Blake. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad that COVID uh, had to add its little spices into this into this cocktail to really blow everything up to the, to, to the degree that it did. But at the same time... This is part of that power of sports. It's not just the community, the cheers, the the heartbreak, the the tears of joy that come from just enjoying the sports and seeing your favorite team or player do it. It's it's what all these other athletes have been saying that whether they've gotten in trouble or not, using their platform to talk about things that actually are bigger than sports. And I think it I think there is a really powerful message in this movie and to the same degree is it a great COVID movie? Sort of, not really, but I think the bigger picture and the bigger point of what it's trying to say about some things are bigger than sports, even in the face of something as uh, as as drastic as what we faced in 2020, um, it just uses the NBA because, like I said, the NBA is very much the, 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 the sport and the sports organization that really leads the crusades and set the tone for everyone else in the sports world, so... In that regard of chronically how how big all of that was for the world in 2020, I think this is a tremendous documentary. I just, like I said, I have nitpicky cinematic things here and there that I just think make the movie look cheap. And no, it's not a great COVID documentary. But again, it's got so much other things on its mind that hopefully resonate and leave something in your head that makes you think afterwards, which a good documentary should do. And I, I can't knock it too hard for that. Uh, on our rating scale, I'm giving it a full pan. I, it's not good enough for sprinkles, but 
it's only 80 minutes too just if you have hbo absolutely go check this out it's a pretty it's still a pretty good documentary yeah i would say we're moving into spoilers but it's a documentary about the past year it's hard to forget most of it um but one thing that i thought was interesting and they advertised that they were going to touch on it and they didn't really touch on it rudy gobert got scapegoated hard for sports league shutting down and while he deserves criticism for the fact that he didn't take it seriously until he tested positive, um, it was it literally was a ticking time bomb. Like someone was going to test positive and they were gonna be like, all right, that's it, we're shutting down. Uh, it was only a matter of time. He doesn't deserve criticism for being the guy that tested positive and league subsequently shut down. He does deserve criticism for uh, not caring about like at the time like the. Very famous footage of him at a press conference, and he stands up and wipes his hands on every single mic. And then his his teammates in the locker room are like, uh, he was not taking it seriously and was goofing off and uh, purposely like going out of his way to touch people and stuff. And now we're all sick, or now we're possibly quarantined. Like the scene, one of the one of the scenes that sticks out the most to me is when it's when it is going down when. Uh, they have him test positive and they have the um the jazz get like borderline quarantined in their locker room and they don't know if they're gonna leave and uh dude like personal uh personal experience uh me i have had to quarantine twice since this started because of being a close contact once from when dan uh tested positive and then once from when someone else i know tested positive i did have to quarantine and they the line they say is like the one of the worst parts is waiting uh to find out some stuff and that's the same i've i've not i have not been tested but i have been told quarantine uh for this amount of time and if you start exhibiting symptoms you need to go get tested and yeah that waiting period is pretty terrifying i i think I, I, I agree with you. I think it's surprising that the, doc the documentary doesn't throw that guy under the bus, but I'm pretty sure that's Chris Paul being the head of the N NBA Players Union kind of probably stepping in and telling Antoine, uh, maybe let's look at some other things. Well, no, they they, adver <laughs> they advertised in, in the trailer, there is, he got thrown under the bus for this pretty hard and it's not his fault. So they advertised like they were going to like really defend him. And instead, they just choose not to lean into it. But they're like, yeah, he's the guy that tested positive. And his teammate said that he didn't take it seriously. Like, I thought there was going to be an interview with Rudy where he's, like, trying to say he's sorry and stuff. That's not in there. Um, I figured that they would have people defending him. And it really just kind of boils down to that, like, some people being like, it was going to be someone at some point. Like, I remember... Yeah, there's bigger there's bigger fish I remember to fry than just spring th than just like throwing one guy like you're the reason that like I think I think that was a smart decision to not really harp on it. So so uh we're sports fans obviously. I'm literally wearing a hockey jersey as we record this. Um I am wearing a shirt but, making fun of a player I don't like. <laughs> yeah. So for Dan, Dan really pays attention to the NFL and then kind of just sees what's going on with MLB and NBA and then just hears me talk about hockey but for him it's a pretty dead time of sports but at the time that March 11th happened uh spring training's in in full swing for me and gearing up for hockey playoffs like it's the stretch run and I was getting really excited and I remember um 
the Blues that night were playing a game. Were playing a makeup game because Jay Bowmeister had a cardiac. I think they called it a cardiac event, and collapsed on the bench. And they had to cart him out. And literally, they were like teammates there that watched their teammate almost die, and they called the game. That was the night before we got keys to our house. Like we were the next morning, we were driving down to where we live and like taking possession of keys and touring the house and marking like stuff to the landlord of like, Hey, this was not our fault. And, um, going over that stuff. So that's the night before. And then we're in the house. It's almost exactly a month later and I'm watching the hockey game and I, uh, it goes to a commercial break and I remember just, um, or getting a notification on my phone and it says NBA has suspended its season. And I was like, what? And looking at it, cause the days leading up to it, like every concert, every movie, it, it, everyone saw it. Everything was getting canceled. But like, I remember everything about that night sports wise, except for actually what happened in that blues game. I don't remember a damn thing that happened in that blues game. I remember I was watching a blues game as it was happening. Um, but I remember like the NHL putting out a statement where they're like, we're not postponing tonight. We'll let you know tomorrow. Um, for a couple, for like a week and a half, they were trying, like there were rumors and kind of fan demands, like MLB shut spring training down and just like quarantine and try and bubble it away and then do the regular season. And I remember baseball just being like, yeah, you know what? Um, like I think it was the next day they were like this is the last spring training game and they announced it as the game was going on and they're like that's it go home after this um I very much remember March 11th like I don't know about you and but in my notes I wrote down I was like not tragedy wise but in terms of you remember where you were like you remember where you were when you first learned about 911 uh, we weren't around then, but like the Kennedy assassination, uh, the Challenger explosion, major, major things like that. I remember like I remember all this going down when it was happening. Clear as a bell. I, I the thing that's funny is the thing I was watching while it was happening. I don't remember. I was. I know I was in my apartment still in Cincinnati at the time and. I don't remember because I would, you're right. I mean, I wasn't like as keyed into, I'm not as keyed into sports. Like I was, I was jazzed up for March Madness coming right around the corner, but, um, yeah, I rem I just, I just remember our constant text chain, like me just sitting in my recliner, just our text chain back and forth of just like, Oh, I caught this got suspended. Oh, I caught this got paused. Like, and just I could. Dan I could was Dan was actually updating me pretty much on all entertainment, and I was just relaying sports stuff to him. Yeah, I, like I, essentially is how it broke down. I just remember all of, and I saw it all on social media and things like that. But like, it's I acknowledge it's like a, a fairly monumental day. I mean, myself, I was going through um, lots of other things at the time, but I I still remember. I, yeah, I was worried about the NFL, like, because we were in the middle, it was at the start of, like, free agency, and the draft was supposed to happen in June, and, um... That was, I remember that being, actually being the main NFL thing, it's just like, well, how are they gonna do the draft? It's like, it's not really necessary, man, like, you just have to get the picks in. Right. You don't need the, you don't need the pageantry. But the, but no, the, the, the 
how enormous that was for the NBA to be the first team, like how 007 was the first movie, to say, you know what? Nope, we're paused. And then the domino effect, literally within 24 to 48 hours, every other sporting event in general in the entire world just came to a, came to a stop. Like, even ones we didn't follow made it onto at least my wall. Like, I don't follow racing whatsoever, but, oh, this all these races got canceled. Uh, Nas- they, were, they were like, well, how, do, how are they going to do NASCAR? And NASCAR actually tried. Like, I remember NASCAR, yeah. NASCAR tried, and then it didn't really work out that well. And they're like, all right, that's it. We're shutting down. Uh, the XFL that... Uh, oh, yeah, they, they uh, folded. Yeah. They folded, but they're coming back. Um, but they folded, and they I remember they were close to march they were like a month and a half in because they started like the weekend after the super bowl they were like a month and a half into their yeah. two month season before the playoffs start they were almost in the playoffs yeah they had like, like they had like five of their five or six of their games played at that point i remember um yeah i i i distinctly remember like watching covid announcements of things canceling or postponing due to covid and then turning on the st louis battle hawks game yeah the um one thing that really I want to compliment the movie on, like I, I, I know in my hot take I said it's not a great COVID documentary, but I think for the 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 subjects as we call them in a documentary, I think the subjects that they picked for the interviews were really good choices. Like Chris Paul agreeing to be a part of this movie, like being the face of the players' union. I didn't know that. I love that it, it, he Ryan. Hmm? Ryan Reeves. I will throw out there, former St. Louis Blue, beloved former St. Louis Blue. Uh, he uh i think i mentioned him when we did um goon he was uh he was an enforcer for the blues that that guy literally blew kisses to the blackhawks bench as he skated off the ice after a fight uh when he was with the blues now he's with the vegas golden knights but like i think i think he was a fantastic person to interview because he was on a team that uh was very much in the playoff hunt had been in the stanley cup playoff or stanley cup final two years prior like he was one of the better guys to interview because they had a real shot. And then all of a sudden it's just yanked and something else insane is happening. He, so for hockey, he was a good pick. Yeah. He, I, I was really interested in him. Um, I didn't, I was doing other things, but I didn't text you about that. But, um, um, and then, uh, the, I don't remember what the one pregnant lady sport was, but she was really interesting. Michelle. Wee. Michelle. Wee was the female golfer. And what's, oh, what's actually interesting that's who she is was. that's right. I I had not seen Michelle Wee since I was in like uh, when she break in because we were like eighth grade or seventh grade like either in middle school or very early high school was the last time I actually saw anything about Michelle Wee and then they had her in there and I was like oh my god like she is apparently like I I don't follow golf um, yeah but I was like oh my god I. I remember you like I I remember when you broke in and you were a kid. Oh, my God. Look, dude, you're a mom like that's crazy and awesome. Like she was she had a fascinating story about being pregnant during all that. Um, the, yeah. the, the fencer was interesting. The the hockey player, like you said. And then like back back to Chris Paul. I liked him. I like that he was willing to be a part of it because he got to see from an executive angle and a player's angle because he's a player. He was a player for the or still is a player for his team the the thunder so i but he's the he- he's the head player in the uh, players union exactly and we get to get his personal side of it but then also he's he really is a perfect guide 
uh, narratively speaking, to like help us like guide through the whole story. Um, and then we also get he, we also get Adam Silver, which is amazing. I didn't think it, I didn't think Adam Silver would be willing to participate in something like this, so that was pretty cool. Mark Cuban's in this too. He's the most uh, vocal and eccentric owner in the NBA, objectively. He's he and he also was the mo- has the most well known reaction to stuff getting canceled. Uh, it- due to corona in history yeah that video of him is so widely known of him freaking out then running around and showing everyone his phone oh yeah yeah Um, and if one owner was going to be in this movie of course it would be mark cuban (laughs) well they had they had that um but also something that i think chris paul really lends to this is showing a player's reaction to the bubbles because i remember Oh, his story of the um, day that it happened is amazing. And having all the footage of the game in real time cut to it, it that yeah. was really cool. Well, I'm talking about like the return with the with the bubbles for like NHL and ML and NBA. Because I remember I remember watching uh NHL network and NFL network, MLB network, ESPN, and just there's no stories. There's nothing to talk about. Like yeah, yeah the first week it's 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 canceled and are they announcing plans and stuff like that? And really the, like I remember within the first like two or three days news broke from the, the really only news that broke from the NHL for a long time was the NHL uh, contacted players and said, go home, like go to your home countries and just wait this out. Right. Um, The one, the one, uh, the one athlete from Italy talking about how bad Italy was. Yeah, well, and then the the one girl that played in the WNBA but was playing in China, and she oh. just was like, I'm voiding my contract, and I'm leaving. Um, the literal best player in the WNBA opting out. I remember yeah. that being an enormous story, too, back at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like, crazy, once the leagues were talking about coming back, uh, MLB, NBA, and NHL, the, the thing that NHL and NBA had going for them is they were like, look, we just basically need to crown our champion, and we're done. Like, we do that, we can just pause and figure out next season, and then we can figure out the season after. Like, we just need, to, like, two months to get this done. Um, And I remember the skepticism of if bubbles would work, because it was one of those things where it's like, this, this in theory, is foolproof, but if you put it in practice with the human element, and whenever you introduce the human element, there is going to be the margin of error or there's going to be the human element of error. I remember people talking about, yes, bubbles could work, or they could have the exact opposite where it becomes a hot spot in an epicenter. Um, the NBA, they said at the end, had no positive cases. The NHL didn't have any positive cases. I remember that um, the one big story was from the NHL was some team's goalie, I don't remember if it was his birthday or what, but they like snuck strippers into his room and then he had to quarantine or something. And then Tuka Rask, after he was there, opted to leave because of a family issue. That was like the big storylines I remember for the NHL. But like, yeah, I I remember like, and I, I was very glad to get a player's perspective and a union head perspective of like, yeah, imagine trying to sell this and you don't really know if it's going to work and you have to sell it to everybody, but you think it will work. Yeah, and the willingness to be so open about the the doubts they had back then, um, the the woman that they interviewed in the NBA that helped uh, like create the bubble situation, and then again Adam Silver being a part of it, the NBA so commissioner. She, she was the she was the not she was like the president of the players association for the NBA. So she's 
she's the head of the NBA Players Association that isn't a player. Okay, so she's the executive head and Chris Paul's the player head. Yes, exactly. Okay. But yeah, she's essentially she is essentially the lawyer and he is the head player. Yeah. Is how it works out. But then geez, yeah, like it's it just it's kind of hard to like not talk in this manner of just like watching it all play out like and just how insane it is that everything happened to work out so perfectly for the NBA that it it worked the the one in a million chance that this all ended up working out like with their bubble experiment and they don't really touch about the the hockey one but the hockey one working out too and then um they do dab a little bit on baseball when they agreed to their what 60 62 game season they do Base- talk about that just very briefly too baseball i'm i baseball it would have been like i said it would have been nice to have it in here but it I actually i think who was the player that they interviewed the most for baseball to- uh, it was the Dodger Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. He is okay. one of the best players in baseball. And what's funny is it was actually his first season with the Dodgers. Uh, oh, that's funny. So he was supposed to be like one of the main headlines for the season. But what I, what I'm getting at is baseball. Their participation has to be limited because out of every single player union relationship in sports, this is the worst union. Uh, union owner relationship in all of sports. It is horrible. Um, and not only that, they are very close to a labor uh, discussion. Very close. Like one to two years away, I think. Oh, from like a labor holdout? And out? it's not... Yeah, and it's not sounding good. And then you threw in... Uh, Urinating Tree is a, a YouTube channel Dan and I both really like. Shout, shout um, out Yenzer. Did you watch the base? <laughs> did you watch the baseball video of him talking about like the play, the union labor discussion around the time it was coming back? Oh, I saw, I saw all three of them he made. It, they were hilarious. It was, it was absolutely horrendous because the owners were like, we can't afford to pay all this, and we're losing so much money. And the players were like, well, we want to play, and we're in a position to play. And we've like, it was awful. So I'm not surprised baseball didn't discuss their return to play. Also, baseball's – I consider baseball's return to be much worse than the NFL's, even though they were very similar. And the reason I say that is the NFL has much more people on a team. Um, baseball did a terrible job coming back. Uh, the Cardinals and the Marlins missed – like two and a half weeks worth of games. St. Louis played, I think it was 40 some games in 28 days. It was, it was nuts. They had a double header every single day. It felt like, um, so I, I'm not surprised baseball wasn't in this very much. It would have been nice to have more just cause it's my favorite sport. Um, but this was an NBA movie. <laughs> well, it's it's an NBA movie, but also I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that baseball, because of an upcoming labor discussion, was very cagey with what they were willing to say. Um, well, that one guy was very I think, open. I think I think baseball. I think you heard more from baseball. Like the stuff I remember from baseball was spring training ending kind of generally discussing them coming back and then more of what their impact in the social justice movement was. I don't really remember too much other than that. And they really, it seems like baseball was more willing to talk about the social justice stuff than they were the, the labor issues they had. And I kind of get why, because 
you don't want to have players and owners going on record bad mouthing the other side that they're now about to negotiate with and it's already not in a good position so i'm not surprised baseball was pretty uninvolved in in that part of it yeah i mean that's that is a valid excuse with like trying to keep the movie in the in the uh the time length it was i'm sure they weren't trying to make like a sprawling like five-part miniseries clearly because this movie was barely 85 minutes but um yeah but that's a that's a good segue into um what really becomes the second half of this movie like um obviously it was going to be prominent from what we saw in the trailers but um being that the 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 nba is the, the the main focus of this movie and chris paul is the main uh subject like in terms of like the interviews um and the the woman from the wnba um when the movie really turns into um, a chronicle of what happened in the summer, like June, July, I don't remember the exact months, but um, I remember um, we talking about um, delaying a review or something like that because I was supposed to have a protest like literally half a mile away yeah. from my apartment in Cincinnati. Um, there, there was there was a specific movie review where. Uh, it was after some pretty violent protests had broken out um, and we were supposed to review like the next night. And I remember saying to Dan, you know, do you know how close they're supposed to come to you? Are you afraid of like it interrupting it and being too noisy? Mainly, do you feel safe? Do you want to, do you want time to like get some stuff and leave and go somewhere else and take care of yourself? And, and Dan was like, no, nah, they should miss me by quite a bit. And the ones that were here last night were pretty peaceful. So yeah, there was, but yeah, there, there, I don't remember what the movie is, but I very distinctly remember that conversation. Yeah. I was, um, it was, I, 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 I didn't live in Cincinnati. I lived on the other side of the river, but I, I was still a mile, like not even a mile. Like I was a bridge walk away from Cincinnati where all the, where their demonstration was happening. But, um, the, 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 the bigger thing I'm trying to say is that when the movie really turns into, um, the NBA's reaction and the and then in the whole sports world's reaction once the NBA stood up and said, "Hey, we cannot just sit by and let this happen. We're in the middle of COVID, and we are still like the, the world is already flipped upside down. But African Americans are still getting just assaulted and murdered by police officers. Like it doesn't. It we have to say something." And it's it, to me, it's really admirable that like it took so much effort to just get sports back in general, for the NBA to convince the sports world, hey, I, th th this doesn't matter. The, there's other things in the world that matter more. So, I, I I don't know. I was just really I was really moved by like the last forty minutes or however long of the movie when it really became about that, and you hear Chris and uh, all the other subject. Uh, for the interviews uh, talking about organizing all the demonstrations and um, just when it really becomes about that, that kind of really took me back just because it was, it's still relatively raw and I, it doesn't really, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that takes away from it being a COVID documentary, but it's really about 2020 itself in the sports world. And this meant so much to the sports world. Like you remember like games all coming to a pause in all sports to take a night off in yeah. protest. Well, I remember, um, again, I'm, I'm not much of an NBA fan. So I was paying much more attention to the MLB and NHL side. Yeah. They, they, they um, pause games too. Yeah. And I remember the NHL, 
when they came back a couple games, they had the, uh, I don't remember the coalition, but it's basically the African-American Community Relations Coalition they have with the NHL. Um, I remember the head of that uh, having a speech before a couple games, um, players kneeling during the anthem. And I remember it being very divisive because Ryan Reeves even talks about, like, when he has his press conference that they show the recording of in there, he goes, this is a predominantly white sport. And I remember hockey, social media, just losing their, a lot of people losing their minds. And I remember a lot of the people that were defending it. And I was, I was along with them where it's like, it's a peaceful protest to kneel. Like it's a, it's a peaceful protest. And I remember hearing like spit, spit and chicklets. I remember them talking about, um, growing, like a lot of them are from Boston and growing up in, in, uh, the, uh, eastern seaboard and talking about the racism that they had seen there and uh like literally the host of spit and chicklets being like i'm sorry if i've been silent on this and stuff like that so like i remember the i remember the hockey world aspect of it a lot um i remember the games getting canceled i remember the nba games getting i remember being at work and nba games getting canceled and like people at work were like what are you talking about um but uh that was the other thing too is i not so much the NHL. Um, I really remember hearing the reports of, and I, I'm, I'm glad they address it, of when the NBA suspended their games for that day or two of the reports of like, is this the end of the bubble? Because are the players going to want to come back? Kyrie Irving, I don't know anything about basketball, but I know Kyrie Irving's name. And I know, and what I know about Kyrie Irving is that dude is constantly getting himself involved in something. Um, and I remember him not wanting to go to the bubble and being like, there are a lot of players that don't want to go to the bubble. And I was like, well, if there are players that don't want to go to the bubble, but they went anyway, cause they couldn't afford to not have a check. What about now? If they're like, look, there's other more important things going on in the world. And I didn't want to be here in the first place. Like I remember actually thinking, I was like, I think the NBA bubble is about to just stop. And they'll just call the season. Oh yeah, they're and it and it plays and it, it it paints that picture very vividly when, in the face of what happened again to uh, Brianna and Blake and uh, and George, uh, J- Jacob Blake, Jacob Blake, sorry, yeah, uh, Jacob Brianna and George, that was that's part of that big discussion. And again, like the the, the NBA is obviously the ones that really let the charge on it, but seeing um, that hockey player, that baseball player, the WNBA player, like all of them kind of more or less getting on the same page without ever having like a, a justice league style coming of the, the, the greats to agree on a battle plan, just yeah. all in synchronicity, just agreeing to, to do, to go about it the way that they did and agree that, Hey, we can make an influence bigger than any politician or any kind of just straight up like social media campaign. Like people, we are influencers, whether we, whether we are, whether we accept that or not, like we are in a position that, can make a difference and people expect us to lead the charge of something like this. Something that's interesting too, is when you think about, you know, COVID shutdown seasons and all the ramifications that it had on getting the seasons going and finishing them out. And then also all the social justice issues at the time. Yeah. Uh, I like the NFL player they interviewed because yeah, NFL players oh, uh, went to the, went to the protests and stuff. Yeah. The chiefs um, player, I forgot his name. But it's it's interesting to think about how big of an impact to the sports world it was and how big of an impact sports had on the world 
when the number one league in the world did not have its season going. Um, yeah. Like, I remember uh, whatever that football player's name was, he was talking about the first time I talked about COVID was at the Super Bowl during media day. The NFL got very lucky. Very lucky. You start, like, the COVID issue starts a month earlier. The Super Bowl doesn't happen. Oh, that's, that was one of my first notes in one of my only notes. I took, like, four notes during this. My, I think it was my first or second note was think like if the like the NBA is one thing, but if this happened in the NFL, like right before the NFL started, or if the NFL was in midseason, oh my god! Like with how much bigger it is than the NBA, it would have been yeah. an even worse frenzy. It um, and it, that's what I'm getting at is it's just interesting that all these things happened, and I'm not saying the NFL didn't because the NFL um played that uh that one song i think they called it like the african-american national anthem it, 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 before i can't remember if it was every game or opening week or every game of opening week i can't remember it has it has a real um, it has a real name it's just colloquially colloquially called that but i i know what you're talking about but then they had like the blm thing on the back of the helmets or like the names of victims on the back of the helmets they had like end racism on the sidelines and stuff like that like yeah the NFL, the NFL did try, and I'm not saying they're late to the party. That's when their season started. But I'll, I'll say they're um, late to the party. They were very, very reluctant to do just helmet decals. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that they were late to the party. What? Okay. What I'm saying is, they're not late to the party in terms of having having their seasons be affected by this. They weren't in season is what I'm getting at. Oh, um, okay. Okay. So like once their season came around, they did do stuff. Right. Um, it's just, it's just, they couldn't do stuff because the timing didn't work out. I, okay. Um, I see. Yeah. I, I, in that regard, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm not saying that the way they handled it was perfect, but what I'm saying is the time, the timing wise, they weren't in season. So they weren't in the fort. What I'm getting at is, the NFL yeah, yeah. is viewed as the biggest sports league in the world, or at least in America, as the biggest sports league in the world. Yeah, and it's not bigger than for FIFA. a majority of. For okay, but what I'm getting at is like in America, that's like the pinnacle of sports to us, and yeah. for a majority of this, the NFL is not in the spotlight because they're out of season, and that's that's just interesting to me. Because, like, you hear about, like, the stuff, like, when 9-11 happened, the NFL was kicking, like, kicked off the weekend before, or two weekends before. Yeah. Um, so, that was, that's an interesting side to it that I, that I see. Yeah. And it's, I, I, and again, like, for me, like, that was, that was when the movie really, really worked. Like, it's, it's a decent COVID documentary, like up to that point but really when it when it dawned on me like it's more about like the the nba with all these supporting characters that were the other leagues are put into their places like supporting characters with the main character being the nba and it, then it really says like no this is actually about 2020 covid happened to be here but this is really like the powder keg to their thesis of sports means more than just watching somebody score and win the big game sports actually means something and can have a real life effect on people's lives outside of just being a fan of something or a, or a big obsessive of the sport itself. And when that was really clear, yeah. 
that's that's what gave me that's what got a full pan for me out of this movie instead of just a half pan because really otherwise like i i don't know i probably would have been a half pan like you but when but yeah. yeah the second half of the film is so powerful and moving i just it just it swept me it was it was really moving one one thing to kind of wrap up our thoughts before we get to the nick cage question um is it's a line that stuck out for me and it was right near the end was sports has changed forever um I'm the one out of the two of us that has been to a sporting event since COVID happened. Um, Ooh, it is a great different. question. When was the last time I was at a live sporting event? <laughs> I really don't remember. Was it <laughs> was it when we went to the ball game in St. Louis? Um, if we're talking pro level, I know I've I know I've been to smaller things. Like I I I've been to smaller pro major sporting event. Yeah, strictly major sporting event. I think it was. It may have been, yeah. It no, 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 no. When we went to St. Louis together, I think that may have been it. Mine, I went to, uh, I went to. So I go to sports way more. But what I'm getting at is, I've got a very good, from a cat, from a fan point of view. Since I'm clearly not an athlete, um, <laughs> from a from a fan point of view, I've got a very good memory of sports right before COVID and sports after COVID. Because uh, I went to a hockey game on February 15th and didn't have two thoughts about it. I wasn't carrying hand sanitizer with me, didn't have a mask, wasn't worried about temperatures or sneezing or coughing, really. I was just worried about if the Blues were going to win. Yeah. Um, was not worried about it. It, it. They talk about it in the documentary. I wasn't worried about it at all. It was in China. Like, whatever. Um, so I remember going to that and everything shutting down and then that is the last sporting event me and kelsey went to and we would go to several a year but i personally um went with my dad to the packers colts game back in november um it it's different uh there's a sense of familiarity to it but it's you're spit like there's pod seating entire empty rows concession stands aren't as full um i i got I didn't get tested. I got screened before I went in where they just take your temperature and ask you questions about it. Yeah. Um, I've been to uh, the only thing I can really remember that uh, I, I noticed was different sports wise was I went to a game at Fenway Park in 2013 after the marathon bombing. Um, and that security check is the is the most intense sporting event security check I've ever been through in my life. Um, couldn't have anything in your pockets. I was, I think I, if I remember correctly, I was fully padded down. Um, like pat, pat your legs, pat your back, everything like that. Um, that, that was the most intense security check I've been through for a sporting event. And then the COVID one. Yeah. I mean, it's not intense, but when you add that on there, it makes you cognizant of where, where you are and when you are in like Boston, 2000, I'm, I'm in like back then I'm in Boston, 2013. Yeah. They're probably afraid of another terrorist attack. I'm in Indianapolis in 2000 in November of 2020. We're entering, we're entering cold and flu season and we have a pandemic going around of a respiratory disease. People are going to be kind of freaked out. So it's, it's different. There is a sense of familiarity in it, and it's it was still incredibly enjoyable. I would gladly go to another sporting event, and I can't wait till I'm vaccinated so that I feel more comfortable going out in public in general. But, um, yeah, it's it is different. 
I I can only imagine. Like I I still remember every time I've been to the theater. Like I've only been four or five times since shutdowns, but every single time I've been I've been three times, including when we went to Jaws. I saw Tenet twice, Rear Window, Chaos Walking. Um, I always forget one of them, but um, but no, it's that same. It's that same. Like when I just saw Chaos Walking. Um, my, the theater I live close to now doesn't have assigned seating, so it's just kind of a free-for-all, and they just straight up had, like, black tape across every other row to help spread people out that way. The, the seats at the Colts-Packers game, um, so they were zip-tied. The Colts stadium that doesn't really have, I don't think it has bleachers in it. If it does, you gotta be way up in the upper deck. Yeah, I was gonna say, they're all, uh, like, seat like, seats. We were in, we were up there, and I didn't see them, so you've gotta be, like, way freaking up there and i've been way freaking up there and i've never seen them but um the the best way i know how to describe them is they're the drunken disorderly uh zip tie handcuffs they zip tied entire rows shut and then they don't have to be drunken disorderly zip ties they're just zip ties (laughs) no 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 like the handcuff zip ties i I know what you're saying where they're like the industrial size ones yeah and then you had to buy your seats in pods and so when you bought your tickets they zip tied the seats next to you closed too like it's it's the the procedures are noticeable, but it's still an enjoyable time. I don't I don't feel like I comp like I don't feel like the in- experience was too drastically compromised. Um, in fact, I actually felt awesome. I was like, I get to go to a sporting event. This is cool. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, like theaters theaters are so different. Like, well, yeah, I'm not trying to make it. It's apples and oranges for sure, but like it's it's being in the reality of like what it is back then like being well, in the, what the reality just, of seeing that in practice well like a sporting event i saw people i go to a theater dude it's a freaking ghost town like when me and you went to go see tenant the only employee the only people i saw there were me you and the guy that took our food order yeah that was the only people we saw in the theater the whole time until we went back after i lost my wallet and then we saw a security guard but they are ghost towns well, yeah, because people have been frightened to to think they're gonna die the second they walk into a movie theater. But yeah, it's it's you telling me that a a stadium like no people I I'm not dumb and blind. I know that pop that sports are far more popular. Just given the nature of like you're watching something live, like duh, you can watch a movie whenever. Of course, there's gonna be more people at a sporting event. <laughs> yeah. Who would you cast Nick Cage to be in this? Ugh. I really don't like this question for documentaries. <laughs> they won't actually stand out to you for Nick Cage. <laughs> NBA commissioner. Adam Silver. <laughs> that would have been great. I Maybe I'd start watching the NBA if Nick Cage was the commissioner. What was, the, what was that guy's name that got banned? Like seeing the clip of him saying, this guy is no longer associated with the LA Clippers or... The National Basketball Association. Donald Sterling. <laughs> Donald Sterling. <laughs> Donald Back Sterling. Immediately, you have to tell your team. <laughs> who would you? Who would you pick? Tell me now. Chop, chop. Oh my God! I hate this question for documentaries. I I really don't know. Honestly, like that didn't come to my mind while I was watching this. If honestly, if anything, I kind of would. 
if he we didn't hear Antoine that much, would you want him to narrate? Yeah, I would. I would want him to be like the narrator or like replace Antoine's voice for like the interview questions. Like we didn't hear him that much, but like if we could hear him asking the questions, like wait, why is Nick Cage directing this? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. It's not a great. I, it's not a great answer, but I. It's, it's hard to put Nick Cage into a documentary. <laughs> yeah, but that's our thoughts. Um, so take us to the outro, Dan. All right. With that, that is uh, our thoughts on the day sports. It's still. It's on HBO Max. If you want to watch it, we're gonna take a brief break and let you know what we got come down the pipeline next week. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Isla Marf and Fugate, for the bumper music. We really appreciate okay. it. <laughs> Next week, guys, we have a pretty large movie for our new release on Tuesday. Plus, it is the return of us actually going to go see it in a movie theater. We're going to put on our mask and go check out Godzilla vs. Kong. It is debuting on HBO Max. On March together, it'll be on HBO Max on March 31st. We're going to go see it in the theater, though, and let you know our thoughts on it. That is going to be our first review on Tuesday. Nick, where are we going to be taking the time machine? It's back in commission. So where are we going to be taking it next week? Since we um, talked about Ryan Reynolds last week and how his career has uh, been on the verge of dying so much, um, it got me thinking about a movie that he did that was good before his career was saved. Uh, I don't know the year. I think it's 2010's Buried. It is 2009. Or actually, no, I should 2009. I should verify that, actually. I'm not confident in that. So Buried is I hate Bing. Buried IMDb. 2010. <laughs> nope, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, One of the first movies Dan and I ever watched together. Yes. Uh, if you want to join along with us with Buried, uh, it is currently only streaming on Peacock. Uh, otherwise, you have to rent it. Uh, but we both own copies of it, so that's how we're going to watch it. But yeah, Ryan Reynolds, a bottle movie, literally him trapped in a box for 90 minutes. Uh, it's terrifying, and it's going to be great to revisit it. <laughs> Super intense. Uh, yeah, crank up the sound. The, the sound mix is worth it. Uh, it really helps sells it. Yeah. Or at least from how I remember it. It's been, God, it's been a few years since I watched it. I don't remember the last time I watched it. Do you, do you remember? I think I watched it. I think I watched it one or two times after we watched it, uh, after our senior year. So I think the last time I saw it probably was like 2013. I own it though. I think it's, I really like it. I, I, I have this vague memory of watching it when I was in New York, but I can't, I might be conflating it with something else. I, I really can't remember the last time I watched this. So this is going to be fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're going to do that. And then Kong vs. Godzilla, the big monster showdown end of the monster verse, apparently from Warner Brothers. I guess I don't think they're going to be making any more after this, but that's what we're going to be doing Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, you guys can check out the latest installment of Fast and Furious Family Fridays. Tokyo Drift is the review that comes out tomorrow. And next week, obviously, we're going to keep going in order and we're going to go to Fast and Furious, which is the stupid, stupid, stupid title for the fourth one. Uh, <laughs> I've already watched it. Dude, we have to have this debate when we actually tape Fast and Furious, uh, which which sequel title after 
well, which of any of the sequel titles is the is the objectively dumbest title? <laughs> Fast Five. No, okay, we're gonna have the whole debate there. We're not gonna go ahead and spoil it here. We're gonna have actually to... wait. I can't even remember what the sixth one is. It might be that. I I my box is in the basement. I can't. I don't have them all in front of me. But but anyway, um, yeah, that's what we got coming down the pipeline here for the next week. Nick, remind everybody where they can reach out to us in the meantime. Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, Instagram, Brownie underscore points underscore guide, and Twitter at Brownie underscore cinema, as well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Make sure you send us Brownie Bites it is, whether they're topics to discuss, contents to do, or movie trailers review, as well as new movies or time machines, whether they're in theaters or streaming. Bowl of popcorn with a brownie in it is the show logo and the profile picture for everything. Also, we are on Letterboxd. I don't know what my name is, but Dan's is dbrownie49, so find us on there. Uh, send us reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, because if you send them on there, I will read them on air. Um, and that's the best way to help us grow the show because of we don't do like a Patreon or anything like that to help boost stuff. So if you could do that, cool. And we will continue to always be here in your ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all other major podcasting platforms here and around the globe. Shout out to you, Ireland. You are number one still for the country that listens to this the most outside of the United States. Uh, step it up, UK. You're in third place if you uh, want to get that title. Uh. Get on it. <laughs> Guys, 2021 has been off to a relatively great start, but it will only get better if we continue to wear our masks, wash our damn hands, keep our ears and our hearts open and empathetic, give a damn about each other. And that is the only way that 2021 will end up being better than 2020. King Kong, or not King Kong, Kong versus Godzilla. Ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong is on Tuesday. Uh, Buried is on Thursday. And then, of course, every Friday, check out Fast and Furious Family Fridays as we recap the entire series. That is it, everybody. See you next week. Also, there's no edits in this. Uh, we didn't have a call drop or any swears. And I also just realized how bad I need a haircut. Maybe I'd start watching the NBA if Nick Cage was the commissioner. What was the, what was that guy's name that got banned? Like seeing the clip of him saying, "This guy is no longer associated with the LA Clippers or the National Basketball Association." Donald Sterling. <laughs> Donald Sterling. <laughs> Donald Sterling. Immediately, you have to tell your team. <laughs>